my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 515. If you're watching on video, I just turned my phone on do not disturb mode. Uh, welcome in. The canopy is behind me. It's amazing. I'm so happy. Like, oh, it's a day I've waited for for a long time. Uh, we got a lot to catch up on in the sports world today. Uh, I'm recording again tonight, like the weekend preview, talking about Thursday Night Football. But I want to catch up on last week. Um, I want to start, though, first. And you can skip ahead. If you hate when I talk about myself, go ahead, skip ahead. And I, I do feel like I've been making too many personal statements recently. This one, though, hopefully last one, maybe like for months and months. But uh, it's a very important one because I had a kind of a realization. I'm like, oh, I do need to talk about that. Um, my My biggest fear in the world is that people think I'm lazy or don't care about the quality of strong opinion sports. And it could not be further from the truth. I, I, I sleep very little. I, this is my passion. It's my favorite thing in the world. Uh, even if I didn't know, I, I, let's be clear, I would make strong opinion sports if no one watched and it made no money. Like, I, I just love doing it. It's my favorite thing on the planet. Um, and what I'm about to say to you, I do not say it because I want pity. In fact, I, I absolutely hate when people give me pity or feel bad for me. Uh, I chose everything I'm dealing with. And I was faced with a choice in like March where I'm like, okay, I need to save money. I either need to like rent a room somewhere or maybe I could live in a vehicle. And I'm like, how can I live cheaply? Oh, well, either uh, uh, renting a room sounds kind of horrible. Like I'd be stuck in one place. I wouldn't be mobile. I couldn't go on adventures. I'm like, I'd rather live in a vehicle. That's the choice I made. And I think it's a, a genius choice. In fact, I think Sometimes like creative fun stuff comes out of desperation, but it's been uh, a desperate time. And I would hate for people to have the wrong impression of me because I haven't been as transparent as I could have been. And I was talking to someone yesterday and they're like, dude, you need to be more honest about like what's going on in your life and what's happening. And, and I think it's probably obvious, but I, I don't know. I, I'm struggling with money, like, like big time. Um, and I'm in survival mode. I'm doing my very best. Um, I don't need anything from the audience other than to understand why I'm recording on a Thursday, why I've had to get a second job for a while, why I drive for DoorDash so much. Um, it's been a crazy weekend. I finally got my canopy. That's a huge victory. I'm so excited. Um, but emotionally, like, I'm <laughs> so tired. I'm so like, ah. Uh, the last year of my life has been... The only other time in my life I would compare it to is when my, my brother killed himself, totally honest. And, and this might have been harder. This has been more sustained stress. I've had more bad weeks in my life in the last year than the rest of my life combined. Uh, you know, a year ago today, I was engaged to be married, and I had to call that off. I had, I had to leave Hawaii, the place that is my favorite place on the planet. I live in a truck now, um, and it's been a dramatic series of turns and changes and um, a, a basically that's set on because I just wasn't making enough money. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta make a change. And I, I don't, I just want you to understand like why, Hey, why the heck is Zach recording about last weekend on Thursday morning? Cause I had to drive for DoorDash to afford my canopy. Like my canopy was months late, but the other problem in the background was when it gets here, I got to find a way to pay for it. And I've had to drive for DoorDash like 12 hour days, like all night. I, I drove till 6am one time. Like it's been really tough and I'm, I'm battling back and I think everybody goes through really hard stuff. And again, I'm not a victim, man. Like I, I chose to deal with all these problems. I could have just rented a room somewhere in Nebraska and said, I'm, I'm stuck here. I'm not moving. And I was like, no, no, I want to try 
to do something mobile and be around. And it's, it's caused all kinds of problems. I've had to spend a lot of money on rent while I'm waiting for my canopy. It's been a disaster, frankly. Um, and I'm doing the best I can, honestly. And I've been trying to make it happen for months. And I just want to say, like, I'm, I'm rooting for you as a human being. And I, I would hate for you to have the wrong impression of me, that I'm lazy and I don't care. That just is not true at all. Um, and, I, I, you know, I'm recording this episode way later than I planned. And I just feel like I should address why. Um, sports is my escape. It's my favorite thing on the planet, man. And it helps me escape when I'm having a hard time. And so let's dive in. Let's talk about sports. But I felt like I needed to let you guys in a little bit behind the scenes, uh, more than I have because it's, it's been embarrassing and it's hard to admit, you know, I I don't want to lose the audience that listens to this show because I, (laughs) you don't have all the information. So that's my life. I'm battling back from an insane loss and I'm figuring it out and it's been wild and weird and fun. And, um, I think there's great times ahead. We finally, finally, finally got the canopy and I, you guys have no idea how excited I am and the adventures I think that are to come. Um, but that, that's why I'm in a truck. That's, that's why the show has been late and sporadic and it's definitely impacted the, uh, the, I, I try not to let it impact the quality. I think the quality's main remained really high, but it has made stuff late because I'm I'm doing other stuff and pressing and trying to, you know, like the other day my car insurance got shut off and I'm like, oh, f, like I can't afford to pay for it because I gotta save my money for the canopy. I pay for the canopy and was like, do I just I and I had to illegally drive for DoorDash for like two days without car insurance, uh, so that I could afford to pay for car insurance, right? Which is an insane proposition, but I'm like, I gotta do what I gotta do. Like I'm in survival mode, so that's the kind of stuff that's been going on in my life and. Uh, Let's talk about sports. On Monday night football. Oh, my goodness. It was a surprising game. It was a kind of an exciting game, actually. Very cool to see what happened. The Bears beat the Patriots 33-14 to on Monday night football. Now, the biggest story in this game for Chicago was that by far, like by a lot, this was the best game all year for the Bears offense. They moved Justin Fields around. They ran bootlegs. They ran sprintouts. They moved the pocket. They got him out of the pocket. Um, they had called designed quarterback runs. Luke Getzey, the Bears offensive coordinator, it felt like he finally figured out, hey dude, my quarterback is maybe the best in the NFL other than Lamar Jackson at running the football. Like him, Josh Allen, and Justin Fields. So Justin, Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Allen, I would say are probably like the three best quarterbacks running the football. I'd throw Kyler Murray in there as well. I feel like I'm forgetting someone, but I, I don't know. Like those are the guys I would not want to try to tackle. And <laughs> I, you know, I would throw Kyler in there because he would just run around me and it'd be horrifying. Um, but like Luke Getzey was realizing we got to get Justin Fields on the perimeter and allow him to do what he does best, which is run the football. He's a really good thrower of the football, but he's maybe he's one of the four best runners of the football at the quarterback position in the NFL. If not, I think he's, he's probably even top two or three. And it just makes me happy to see Luke Getzey kind of figure it out. I'm like, oh, Yes, and and whether he's top, whatever, that's not here nor there. The point is that the Bears are figuring it out and making progress. And Justin Fields made some really good throws. The play calling by Luke Getty was fantastic. He did have one interception. It wasn't a bad decision. It was a ball that got tipped at the line of scrimmage. That's one I can forgive for sure. Um, Justin Fields ran for first downs. He threw for first downs. He had a couple big runs on broken plays. There was a third and 14 where you're like, they're not going to get this. And he ran for a first down. And you're like, what? I, I beg to differ. Or there was a third and six where 
you know, there was a bad snap. It got dropped and on the ground and he picked it up and on a broken play, ran around and ran for a first down. And you're like, that is why you be patient for Justin Fields because the potential and the special stuff he can do is there. And, I, and I'm sorry, but um, Davis Mills, Mac Jones, bad snap like that. That's a 12 you know, yard loss. Probably they just dive on the football. He's got the ability to not only pick up the ball and run, but then run for a first down on third and six, which is incredible. And uh, I thought another play that comes to mind, there's a third and seven. He avoids a sack. He rolls left. He throws deep down the left sideline to Cole Komet on a back shoulder ball. There were so many beautiful moments on Monday night for Justin Fields, and it was absolutely awesome. Uh, Justin Fields ran for 82 yards and a touchdown. He also threw a touchdown he was working across the field on reads. I just thought there was a lot of improvement shown in this game by the Bears offense. The Bears scored on five drives in a row. And like the overall takeaway from Monday Night Football is that Justin Fields is making progress. And so was the Bears offense. Luke Getze appears to be learning how to call plays that fit to his quarterback. And hallelujah, I am so glad to see that because I want to see Justin Fields work. And I don't think Luke Getze is a dumb guy, and I, I'm, I'm glad to see him finally, I think, start to take advantage of what Justin Fields is special at, which is running the football. Now, uh, I walked away, you know, I walked away from Monday Night Football even more unsure of the Patriots quarterback situation than I was going into the game. Or maybe that's not true. Maybe I felt more solidified and then more confused about what the Patriots are actually doing at quarterback, because... Both of the Patriots quarterbacks played in this game. Mac Jones started for the Patriots. It was It's just a roller coaster of emotions, this football game, if you're a Patriots fan or tracking this quarterback situation. Uh, Mac Jones started. He got three drives. The first two were three and outs, uh, so two punts. And then on the third drive, Mac Jones threw a really bad interception where he forced the throw into coverage. There's like some minor debate on Reddit here and there. Like, did the ball hit the ESPN Skycam wire? Even if it did, like, let's say it did hit the Skycam wire. It was a bad decision. It wasn't open. It was a terrible throw. It shouldn't have been made. He should have thrown the ball out of bounds, obviously, and, you know, throw, it lived to see another down. Um, so Skycam or not, it shouldn't have been thrown. Like, that's a bad decision. And Mac Jones has made a lot of bad decisions this year. And that's supposed to be. Mac Jones can't run around like Justin Fields. He's not big. He's not physically gifted, really. He doesn't have a huge arm. Like, Mac Jones has to make good decisions in order to justify him being on the field. And he hasn't this year, which is a really, really big problem. So then, oh, when the Patriots are down 10 to nothing, they put Bailey Zappi into the game. Three drives in, let's put in Bailey Zappi, see what happens. And the crowd is chanting and it's fun and it's Zappi hour. And immediately, Bailey Zappi led two touchdown drives and gave the Patriots a 14 to 10 lead. And the stadium was rocking, man. Like, the best moment was he had a sweet pass down the left sideline to Devontae Parker for a big completion. And highlight of the game, if you're a Patriots fan, like, the stadium had... I, I can't imagine how it felt to be there for people because it was crazy. And here is why I am confused walking away from this game. I, I thought Bailey Zappi looked like a better quarterback than Mac Jones, and I felt that way pretty much every time I've watched them play this year. Um, still... For some reason, Mac Jones is going to start against the Jets this coming weekend. I actually think the Jets should be the favorite in this game, which is going to be kind of fun and exciting. Um, this week in practice, Mac Jones took 90% of the first team reps. Uh, at least that was on Wednesday. And, you know, the the kind of talk with the Patriots, they're blaming Mac coming out of the game 
on his injury, not on the situation down 10 to nothing, not on two, three and outs and a bad interception. And I just, you know, if Mac Jones was too injured to play, he shouldn't have played in this game. I don't know what you had Bailey Zappi, who was two and oh, why did you start Mac Jones at all? It, it made no sense to me why Mac Jones played in this game, to be totally honest, if, if he's not healthy. And then if he's bad, can we own that he got benched? Because But now he's back? So, like, what's happening? I don't understand. And, yes, you can argue Bailey Zappi finished the game with two interceptions. Um, but the first one got tipped at the line of scrimmage. That was not his fault. And interception number two came on fourth down when they're losing 33-14 with three minutes left in the game. And, yeah, he, he forced the throw into coverage with pressure in his face. But, like... It's fourth down. You can't take a sack on fourth down at the end of the game like that. You you got to throw the ball downfield. It got picked off. It's unfortunate. But like again, you can't take a sack on fourth and two with three minutes left when you're down thirty three to ten. You got to try to make a play downfield somehow. So like I, I just don't know that you can blame the interception. And say Bailey Zappi's terrible because he had two picks. Like I, I look at Mac Jones. I still think Bailey Zappi might be better than Mac Jones. And. I want to repeat this. The strength of Mac Jones, the reason why the Patriots drafted him, the reason why, you know, there's supposed to be potential with him as a quarterback is because of decision-making. He's not big and fast or has a huge arm. He's supposed to be good at decision-making. And so far this year, he's got two touchdown passes and six interceptions. And five of those picks have been really bad decisions. One of them is a questionable one. Bailey Zappi has has three interceptions this year. Two of them were tipped, and the third one was on a fourth down at the end of a blowout trying to make a play. Like, it's very interesting to me because Bailey Zappi appears to be a better quarterback. And yet, uh, 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 what I would call, like, kind of a genius football mind, Bill Belichick, I, I have to defer to him. Like, he he's won way more Super Bowls than I have. So, like, you got to assume he knows what he's doing. But does he? Like, what what's happening here? It's very, very confusing. And I, I have appreciated... The Boston media market has been very, like, tough on Bill Belichick and, and asked hard questions like, what, what are you guys doing? And there hasn't been any good answers because Bill never answers anything. But I appreciate the, the media in New England. They're, they're some of the best uh, reporters when it comes to asking questions. It's not always like Bill, Belichick kind of clowns on them, but they've been, like, aggressively asking tough questions. Them and uh, Colts, fan, uh, Colts media as well has been asking Frank Reich some tough questions, and I like that. Um, Bailey Zappi is really accurate. He's a good decision maker. He's very decisive. He gets the ball out of his hands quickly. I I think he understands what the offensive coordinator, Matt Patricia, is doing. And, and Bailey Zappi appears to understand why each play call is being made. He, he seems to think like a coach where him and Matt Patricia are on the same page. And he's like, we're calling this play to attack this part of the defense. And he executes. And it's worked pretty well and it surprises me that Bailey Zappi has looked better and yet the Patriots are going to stick with Mac Jones I realize he's a first round pick but I, I just don't know why Mac Jones played you could have justified him sitting on the bench saying like he's he's recovering he's not healthy yet instead you got this weird middling thing I, I think you should have started Bailey Zappi in this game and if he played bad you bench him and you can move on to Mac Jones and sleep at night instead they they created a controversy because they started Mac Jones unnecessarily and he played bad and then they took him out. Like, why did... That's like an unforced error that I don't understand and Belichick can do whatever he wants. He doesn't have to answer to the fan base, let's be clear. But it's, it's just bizarre and very weird and I don't really understand it. And 
And they're going to stick with Mac Jones, but I, I just think there's less clarity in this debate than before. Actually, no, I would say that I think Bailey Zappi is definitively better right now, and I just don't understand why they're playing um, Mac Jones. I, I'm like, oh, okay, what happens if Mac Jones plays bad against the Jets and they lose? Like, what, what, what's your plan, dude? I, it seems really bad and really confusing, and I get it. Like, Mac Jones is a first-round pick. You're more invested in him. But I, uh, it's 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 a mess right now in New England, and you got one quarterback who's played well. He didn't finish like I, I can't imagine what would have happened if Bailey Zappi had won that game against Chicago, and it, would he would he be starting? I don't even know. Would Bailey Zappi be starting if he came back and beat the Bears? I don't know. He he got them the lead. The defense couldn't stop Justin Fields. Dude, I have so many questions. I have very little answers. We're not going to get them for a long time in New England because they don't say anything. Um, but I just, I don't, I don't have any clarity and I have nothing but confusion actually when it comes to the Patriots quarterback situation. I'll say this one more time. Here's like the headline. I'm confused about the Patriots quarterback situation and I just don't really understand what's going on and why. Um, let's go back to Chicago real quick. The Chicago Bears have traded defensive end Robert Quinn to Philly. Or really, Philly traded for Robert Quinn. Chicago got a fourth-round pick in the trade for Robert Quinn. Um, Seems like a chef's kiss outstanding trade for Philly. The Eagles are 6-0. They have the best record in the NFL. I think they're really good on the offensive line and the defensive line. This makes their defensive line even better. And I think Robert Quinn is 32 years old. He's having kind of a down year, like he's only got one sack so far, but playing on the Eagles defensive line with a better supporting cast around him is going to make him better and harder to block and get him one, more one-on-one matchups. And um, it's also good because Philly hasn't gotten as many sacks as I think they would like. So I I think Philly, who has an already good defensive line, made a very small sacrifice, a fourth-round pick, to upgrade their defensive line and... I think make a Super Bowl push. And Howie Roseman, the Eagles GM, I, I think he's the best GM in football. Like, I, I can't think of anyone who's done a better job making trades and making moves and consistently over and over and over again building a really good team. And uh, the Sirianni hire looks genius. I think he gets credit for that, right? Like, I just a great trade, a cheap price for Philly, awesome trade. And I, I'm surprised that was the a third-run pick. Maybe I, I I get he's old he's on a more you know, a contract I, I don't really know but it's like I don't really understand he's got a couple years left on his contract from what I can tell I looked at it on Spot Track this morning it's not like a one year deal that ends after this year but I, I think it's Philly saying we think we're close to a Super Bowl we're gonna make a trade and go get this guy kind of like actually it's not equivalent to the Rams going to get Von Miller but it's along that same lines of like there's a defensive end available let's go get him to try to make our defense even better. For a Super Bowl push. And again, they gave up so little to get him that um, it just it makes a lot of sense. And it's very, very exciting. All right. Uh, we've got a, a woman walking by. home Homeless lady, I think. I mean, I'm homeless too. So like, who am I? To, I'm not judging. I, I just don't. Okay. Walking away. She was like, not sniffing my truck. But like the same way a dog gets close to you to kind of check you out. She was doing that to me. She was like, what's happening here? And now she's walking away, and it's all good. Um, <laughs> by the way, I, I, this actually is in the script to talk about this script or the notes or whatever. So I figured, like, I might as well talk about the homeless lady because we got a minute. 
I solved the camera mystery because the last two episodes, my camera died. And I was like, what's going on here? That's very weird. That's unusual. And I did a bunch of tests to figure out what was happening. I actually believe it was user error. I think I did something wrong. Um, I believe after like a cut, probably I had to blow my nose or something. You know, I, I cut, I had a little clicker here, a, a remote for my camera. I hit turn off recording. And when I hit record again to start the recording, I think I didn't hit it well enough or didn't like aim it well enough at the camera because I obviously hit both because I hit the audio recording button as well. And I hit record on the audio interface. Audio was recorded. Video wasn't. Um, and through a lot of tests, I learned, oh, the camera shuts off after going too long with no activity. Like it just can't sit idle for a long time. So it's kind of funny to me, like, oh, my, my camera turned off because it wasn't recording anything. And because it was off, the battery turned off to save power, which makes sense too. So I'm glad the camera's fine. I had an issue recently where it wasn't reading SD cards and I had to like update the software and download a bunch of crap. And it was very confusing and difficult, but I fixed that. Um, and like we're sitting pretty. So if anyone is worried about my camera or just kind of, it's like a fun callback to a weird moment, the last two episodes, that's what happened. That's why. And I figured it out. Thank goodness. Um, by the way, because this show is late, I'm recording it Thursday morning. I'm not going to do any breakouts. I'm just going to record what I have, sit down and talk, and then move on to Friday's episode because I, I've been stuck on this episode for a long time anyway and trying to you know, make money on DoorDash to pay for my things. And it's like, ah, let's just, let's just flush it and move on after this. I'm, I'm not going to ever take a day off. The, the closest I get is when I'm just, I'm just late and I, I record it, I put it on audio feeds, and I move on. All right, um... I want to give a shout out to the two New York NFL teams. The Jets are five and two, and the Giants are six and one. Both teams have won four games in a row. It's very cool. Zach Wilson, the Jets quarterback, is four and zero as their starting quarterback this year. It's exciting. It's awesome. It's a great time to be a New York sports fan. Unfortunately, the Yankees are not going to the World Series. Uh, they got <laughs> swept by the Astros. I know there's pain and suffering in that statement. Um, I would say that Brian Dable is maybe the Giants. Uh, the Giants head coach, Brian Dable, is maybe the coach of the year. And I would not be shocked at all if he won that. He's mine so far. Uh, again, Zach Wilson, 4-0 as a starter, looking better every day. He's still in the window of patience. He's only in year two, but I think he's he's making progress. Zach Wilson, right on schedule, getting better and better every time I watch him. And it's exciting. And New York football teams, man, four games in a row. Both teams have a great record. And... I think they're both second in their division, which is just a testament to how good Philly is and how good, um, oh man, the Bills are. Now, um, the Cowboys beat the Lions this past weekend. Dak Prescott came back from an injury. It was his first game back. I thought he was great against Detroit. The Cowboys won 24-6. Dak was 19 for 25 passing, 207 yards, one touchdown pass. He played a clean, efficient football game. Uh, I thought, like, you know, Detroit is now 1-5. They have arguably the worst defense in the NFL. I just want to acknowledge it was a perfect time for Dak Prescott to return. You're coming off of a loss to Philly. Um, you're 4-1 with Cooper Rush, so you're needed. And then you're coming back against a bad defense, and you can kind of ease back into things against a team that's struggling. And Dak played really well. And I'm I'm interested in the Dallas Cowboys because their defense is incredible. And they're fighting right there for that division. They're They're not... 
I think as far off of Philly as their loss with Cooper Rush would suggest, they need run support for their defense, and I hope that Dak Prescott can do that as he returns. The Green Bay Packers are in trouble. The Packers are 3-4 and four right now. They've lost four games in a row. Uh, they lost to the Giants, the Jets, um, now, you know, they lost to Washington and a backup quarterback, Taylor Henneke. The Packers are down bad right now. It's it's not good at all. Um, this weekend, the Packers play Buffalo. And I think they're probably going to fall to 3-5. and five. I'm suddenly very self-conscious. Did they actually lose four games in a row? My notes have three games, but I, I, I wrote four in a row. Is that accurate? Packers schedule. Let's find out. I, I thought for some reason they lost four in a row, but is that... That can't be true, is it really? No, they lost to... Oh, man, this is a mess. What? Why does... If you look up the Packers' schedule, it includes the preseason, which is so unhelpful because that's not the real... Like, I don't care about the preseason. I can't differentiate enough. So, no, they lost week one to Minnesota. They've lost three games in a row. They beat Chicago, Tampa, and the Patriots in overtime... But they lost to the Giants, Jets, Washington. And I think the Packers are about to lose their fourth game in a row. Uh, maybe that's what my thought process was in my notes. Uh, I think they're going to fall to the Jets and go to 3-5 and five because um, their lack of a receiver is, is not good. They, they're struggling in offense. Their defense is kind of mid. And Buffalo is a juggernaut, man. I, I would be shocked if the Packers beat Buffalo on the road at Buffalo this weekend. Uh, and in fact, I, I kind of expect it to be a blowout, kind of an ugly game, which um, the the Packers in the regular season have never, ever lost more than four games under Matt LaFleur. They've won 13 games every year of his career as a head coach there in Green Bay. If the Packers lose uh, this week, Sunday night football in Buffalo, it's going to be um, mathematically impossible for them to win 13 games, which is like a, it's a milestone at least. It's... Things are not going well in, in Green Bay, and I just I hope they trade for some kind of receiver at the trade deadline. I'm excited. At the end of this episode, when I'm done recording, uh, right before I sign off, I'm going to check my phone and be like, is there any news? Any trades happen? Because right about that time, and uh, you know, November 1st is when the trade deadline does happen. So keep your eye on that. It's going to be interesting from here on out. Um, last weekend, the Seattle Seahawks beat the LA Chargers 37-23. Geno Smith played really well. Again, for Seattle, uh, he was 20 for 27 passing, 210 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. That one interception was a ball. They got deflected up in the air. Not his fault. Seahawks running back, uh, rookie running back, Kenneth Walker, ran for 168 yards, two touchdowns. Um, Seattle's four and three right now. By the way, the Seattle Seahawks are first in their division, the NFC West, which is impressive and surprising. And very, very cool to see. I, I really have a lot of respect for what's happening in Seattle. Seattle got rid of Russ, their quarterback, Russell Wilson, and they got better. And I feel like, I'll say it, I think a lot of, I think the sports world in general owes a big apology to Seattle. Like, I, I think of that tweet this summer where someone was making fun of, uh, the I think, the U.S. Open, like tennis probably. And... um they clapped back. Well, you're a Seahawks fan. You're going to have to watch 17 games of uh, Drew Locke playing quarterback. We all had the wrong impression, and I certainly did. So I'll say it. I, I owe Seattle a huge apology. I think a lot of people do, but I, I'll say it for myself. I do for sure. 
Um, I always blamed the Seahawks' failures in the last couple of years on the team. Uh, their inability to support their quarterback. It's not Russell Wilson's fault. It's the team around him. Uh, I think a lot of people thought that Pete Carroll was kind of washed up as a head coach. And I think a lot of people thought he was done when Russ left. They're like, oh, man, it's an end of an era. It was fun, Pete, but you lost your quarterback. Now you got Drew Locke. Like, we were, I remember saying, like, is Seattle rebuilding? Like, what are they doing? They got the oldest coach in football. It makes no sense. Well, no. Uh, hey, newsflash. Pete Carroll can still coach. He looks outstanding. And by the way, he has the support of his former players. A lot of former Seattle Seahawks players are are rallying around him saying like, no, Pete Carroll's awesome. We loved him. And Geno is playing outstanding. Geno Smith, I've done comparisons before. He's, he's outplaying Russell Wilson by a lot. It's pretty exciting to see. They're beating quality football teams. And Russell Wilson in Denver seems weirder and weirder every time I read about him or check in with what he's doing. Um, like there's a story out yesterday. He was working out doing high knees in the aisle on the Broncos plane on their flight to London while guys are trying to sleep. Like, and the memes of that situation are absolutely hilarious. Look them up. I'll, I'll, I posted some on my Instagram story. Um, I just, the more we see Russ and learn about him in Denver, the worse he looks, things are not good for Russell Wilson. And you know, like you can only contact him through his manager. Apparently he's super weird. Like he's doing stuff that are, he's like praying in the middle of the field in cringy ways. And he's running onto practice fields, like aching air high fives. And he just seems very unrelatable. He's aloof. He's disconnected. Um, it's a massive problem. And I, it makes sense now why Seattle was struggling. And I always thought the locker room didn't like Russ because of the interception in the Super Bowl. Like that's why Richard Sherman didn't like him. And I have no doubt that's where it began where people started to look at him sideways. Like, bro, you cost us a Super Bowl. But I think it's goes way beyond that because you could have recovered from that moment. You apologize, move on. But it looks like Russ was just not very connected with his teammates. Very, very just weird and doing his own thing. And, cringy and kind of a I don't want to say freak show but like I, I watch videos of Russ and I'm like bro like the memes are amazing and hilarious and also horrifying and the reality is that um, money and fame will change you notoriety making a lot of money it's it's hard to deal with it's very um, like I made a lot of money young and I didn't know how to deal with it and I, I spent it all and kill like ruin my life basically um so it's a it money and fame does not appear to have changed russell wilson for the better he's very cautious about what he says he's super inauthentic um he never says a bad thing which comes across as fake as hell it's a train wreck and the fact that seattle got two first round picks and two second round picks for russ plus shelby harris drew lock and noah fant i mean my goodness, Seattle. <laughs> oh, oh, and by the way, not only did Seattle destroy the trade and get a lot at for Russ, which looks totally unjustified now, Denver gave up a ton for him in the trade and then, in kind of a desperate move, gave Russ $245 million in a five-year contract. $160 million guaranteed. Are you kidding me, dude? Like, it's so bad, man. Russell Wilson, I, I want to repeat. What's the guy's name? I want to find it on TikTok. He actually commented on my YouTube video. I don't know if you watch 
before my YouTube videos or not. Uh, but he made, I hope he just keeps the series going. It's absolutely hilarious. He makes the videos about Russell Wilson um, and his, his bathrooms, like Garrett. His name is Garrett Lee. Um, I, I love this man. He's hilarious. I think he, he might be in Seattle. He's got a, it looks like a Mariners fan, like hat on the gray, different colored M. I don't know what the M means, but it might be the Seattle Mariners. So he might be a, a Seattle native. Garrett Lee, if you're out there, I love you, man. I think you're funny as all get out. And, um, he's made two TikToks now about, you know, comparing what's Russell Wilson to the number of bathrooms he has in his house, which he has 12, which is like absurd. No one needs 12 bathrooms in their house. I don't care how much money you have. Nobody ever needs that. You need, maybe, like, I, I can understand you need one for the, the master bedroom. You need one or two for the kids, maybe. One for the guest room, one for the downstairs, one for the upstairs. That's still only like six or seven. How do you ever end up with 12? I just, I, I know his wife is a pop star and they're living in probably just the biggest mansion ever. But like, I, I dude, I, I know he doesn't live like us. I don't ever want to, no matter, if I became a billionaire, bro, I would still have a manageable house that I could clean myself. Not that I, I probably wouldn't if I was a billionaire, like I, I would hire help to clean it because I'm, I'm lazy. I don't want to clean my house. Although maybe I, I don't really want people in my house either. I, I guess you'd, you'd have to, if you have that much money, you need security and crap. But like, man, I never want to live in a house that's an unmanageable size that if I needed to, I couldn't clean myself. So I just, I'm. I live in a truck and I'm, I'm happy. I, I believe it or not, I'm the happiest I've ever been in like the most humble little space I've ever been in. Uh, and it's, I gotta like, I can't even stand up in my house and it's awesome. And I'm so happy. Anyway, I don't, I just, I'm going on a tangent now. I, I feel really bad for Broncos fans because they gave up a lot for Russ. They committed to him and it's going badly. And not only is he playing badly, he looks like a leader that I would not want in my locker room. He's weird. He's disconnected. He's aloof. He's inauthentic. Is there, do, do the Broncos teammates of his like him? I don't think so. I, I, I would not want to play with Russ. That sounds like a nightmare. And you know, what's hilarious. Seattle just wins so hard right now this year. I mean, they got a bunch of draft picks. The team is well coached. Geno Smith looks really good. Seattle's first in their division. Again, I just think the whole sports world owes Seattle an apology. I'll apologize. I was wrong, and I didn't. I didn't see this coming. I was kind of like, "Can Pete Carroll still coach? Their team kind of sucks." Like, uh, all right, no, no, no. Apparently, apparently, the problem all along was was Russell Wilson. They drafted really well. They've got players everywhere. They're winning their division. I mean, dude, it, at this point. I don't think it's a fluke either. Like, Geno's played well enough for long enough that I'm like, I think a dude can just play football. He's pretty good. <laughs> Which I could have never expected. Very happy to say that and see that. And, uh, oh my goodness, man. I uh, Seattle, Russ, Denver, it's a... I think that's the most um, maybe entertaining storyline of the year is, is Seattle doing well, Denver doing bad, and Russ being just a, a complete cringy disaster. Uh, and the memes that have been produced about Russell Wilson, thank the Lord for the internet. It's been so much fun to watch what's going on. And uh, maybe I should do a segment like my favorite Russell Wilson memes. That might be the move. That'd be kind of fun to to work on this weekend and put into next week's show. That's a, that's a fun little idea right there. Um, now, let's talk about LA. The LA Chargers are four and three. They just lost to Seattle. That's a big blow. I, I was hoping for Denver's sake, not like I have anything in Seattle, but, you know, Denver 
not for not for uh, Seattle's sake, but I was for LA, excuse me. Uh, to be five and two going into your bye week would be a pretty incredible recovery after a really ugly start to the year and dealing with a lot of injuries. So um, LA is heading into their bye week, but they've got more injuries. Receiver Mike Williams got hurt. Uh, he's going to miss time. Corner J.C. Jackson just ruptured his patella tendon. He's out for the year. Keenan Allen is hurt. Um, Rashawn Slater and Joey Bosa are in the injured reserve. The Chargers are dealing with injuries like crazy, and it's been a really dis- disappointing year all around. And I just think if L.A. doesn't play well after the bye week, it's a possibility. I don't know if L.A. is notoriously kind of a cheap franchise, and they don't like making changes, so maybe they won't fire their head coach. But if the Chargers don't play better after the bye week, there is at least an opportunity, or I hate the word opportunity there. There's a chance that they might fire their head coach, Brandon Staley, and move on to someone else. I like Brandon Staley a lot as a person, but it's clear there's a lot of talent there. And when they're not dominating, it feels like that talent is being mismanaged by the coaching staff there because you got this incredible quarterback, Justin Herbert. Guys are getting hurt. You can't blame the coaches for injuries necessarily. But, um, man, like, you know, if this team doesn't win this year, they they, they probably – might be justified to move on. They would be justified to move on to get a new head coach. Would they? I don't know. But can you imagine Sean Payton coaching Justin Herbert in San, in L.A.? Like, get Justin Herbert. A, Eric Bieniemy from Kansas City maybe calling him plays. Like, I don't know. But some exciting stuff going on in my head. And I I wonder if Eric Bieniemy is finally going to get hired out of Kansas City this this offseason because – if I'm Carolina, I'm I'm giving a hard look at Eric Bieniemy. Like you know, and I've got a topic for the next episode tomorrow about Carolina and my new theory on why they fired um, their head coach. It's actually not about Eric Bieniemy, but that kind of I, I think there's something there and some connective tissue there, and uh, I just I think it's a high likelihood that LA. I, I don't I don't know if it's a high likelihood because I don't trust that LA's um, ownership we'll fire someone and move on and they still owe him money because I think they're really stingy and cheap. But I, I think LA would be justified at minimum if they fired Brandon Staley if they don't play well after their bye week this year. All right, I need to pull my nose. Give me one second. I'm going to cut and I'll be right back. And hopefully this time I start the camera again so it doesn't die and we get like five minutes of me talking on a black screen because I only have audio and no video. <laughs> All right, we are back. Um, I want to let you know, I'm going to Seattle this next week. If anyone wants to, I don't know, play catch or say hello, I, I'll be in the Seattle area. I uh, I move out of the house I'm in uh, on the 31st on Halloween into my truck officially for the first time. Uh, my girlfriend is going up to Seattle for a work trip and was like, you want to come? And I'm like, I got nowhere else to be. Like, I, I, I'm homeless, so I'll sleep in that bed because that's more comfortable than sleeping in my truck. And my new policy, I think, is going to be if I ever get a real bed, I'll take that over the foam mattress that's going to be in the back of my truck. Uh, so I'll be up in the Seattle area. If anyone wants to connect, hit me up. I'll, I'll just be driving around doing door dashes and recording podcasts and hanging out. So, um, hey, hit me up. I'd love to love to connect if anyone wants to. Um, let's talk about Monday Night Football. On Monday Night Football, the Miami Dolphins beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 16-10. to It was kind of an ugly game. Nobody scored in the second half. Um, Steelers rookie quarterback Kenny Pickett threw three interceptions in the game. I'm going to continue to preach that he just needs to be given patience. Allow him time to get better and develop. 
He's a rookie. Now, Kenny Pickett has seven interceptions this year on the season. Um, only two touchdown passes, which isn't great. But many of his picks just haven't been his fault. And I just, once again, I tell you, Kenny Pickett is doing a lot of good stuff. He's making good throws. I thought he did again uh, on on Monday night against Miami. He had some costly interceptions that cost him in the red zone particularly. But um, he's moving the ball. He's doing good stuff. Be patient. Let the guy develop. He's a rookie. He's learning. And I think you've got to just give him time to get better. Now, for Miami, um, Tua Tungavaloa, their quarterback, came back from an injury. He started hot with three scoring drives and really slowed down after that. They, I think they punted and then had another field goal and then didn't score the rest of the game. Um, and I, I will say, Miami does continue to win when Tua plays, though. I mean, like It's insane how much better Miami is when he's on the field and playing. He just... I don't know if it's like a leadership thing. I don't, I don't know what's happening, but it appears like he brings the best out of Miami. The stadium likes him. They're, they're all in. It's exciting. There's energy there. Um, and I want it to be noted that he's got a 17-9 record as a starter. Uh, it's a lot more, a lot higher winning percentage than Justin Herbert in L.A. And who I think, by the way, Justin now has a losing record, uh, actually. Um, but also, every time two has played a full game this year, Miami's won. They lost to Cincinnati when he got hurt and left the game early. But uh, when Tua's played an entire game this year, Miami's actually 4-0. So um, whatever you want to do with that information, I think it means that Miami with Tua is a better team. Just point blank. I mean, they've had Skylar Thompson. They had Teddy Bridgewater. They've had opportunities to show other quarterbacks can play in that offense. And it hasn't really happened. Like Tua is the best guy they have, bar none. And uh, that's interesting to me. Now, the number one takeaway from this game, if you're a Miami Dolphins fan or interested in Miami or just want to hear about Miami, Tua takes way too many hits. Like, it's it's really bad. And there's a funny meme on Dope Burrow I want to share. Um, they make a, a money ball joke. Um, let me find I texted it to myself. I want to see it. Um, <laughs> Dope Burrow, it, the, the caption is, Billy, this is Tua Tungavaloa, one of the most undervalued quarterbacks in football. His defect is that he does not know how to slide. <laughs> like, yeah, it's so true. It, Tua's got to throw the ball away, man, or, or slide. If you're running slide and if you're extending a play and it's not open, don't take a sack, don't take a hit, throw the ball away. Protect your body. And Tua just takes way too many hits. It's insane that he's not – they have to be telling him. Like, I, I can't imagine that Miami's coaching staff isn't going, dude, throw the ball away protect yourself. Don't take a hit. Like you've already got a concussion this year. You missed a couple games. And if Tua doesn't make changes to his playing style, it's only a matter of time before he gets hurt again. It's not a matter of if it's a matter of when. And we saw this in college. When did Tua get hurt in college? Extending a play, holding onto the ball too long, taking a hit. And it's a, it's a bad habit that's followed him all the way to the NFL and it's not going away. And it has to go away because it's going to shorten his career and, like, Tua, you're awesome. You're 4-0 when you play an entire game this year. Your team is better with you, but you have to be available, so you got to protect yourself. It's, it fires me up. I love Tua. I love his family. I love his playing style. He's awesome. He's, like, on an emotional level, he's my favorite quarterback in the NFL. Grew up in Hawaii. Awesome dude. Awesome family. Cool story. Overcome a lot. He's proving people wrong. But, man, Tua, you got to learn. you got to slide. You, you got to protect your body. Throw the ball away, get down and slide, and it's it's infuriating to me watching him sometimes because it's like, 
I'm going to have a heart attack. I, every time he gets hit, I go, is this the time? And it, he gets up again and I'm like, thank the Lord. But I never know. I never know when the hit is going to be the big one that takes two out of the game. Don't take hits. Just please, please don't. Get rid of the ball. It's not that hard. And he throws the ball really quickly. Almost every play. Like he's just getting it out really quick and methodically being very decisive. But there are times when he extends a play and takes unnecessary hits. And oh my gosh. It's just a big problem that has to change for Tua. By the way, I saw something crazy when I woke up this morning on Instagram. Um, It comes from college football on Fox's Instagram page. Some video. Weber State lost to Montana State 43-38. to They lost by five points in this game. Weber State in this game, because of bad snaps by their long snapper to their punter that went over the guy's head and rolled, um, Weber State had four safeties in this football game. They gave up eight total points and lost by five. Long snapping was the difference in that football game. Weber State lost because they couldn't snap the ball to their punter and gave up four safeties in one game, which is absurd. That should never happen at the D1 level. Um, So I just, I want to say real quick, you know, a good friend of mine who I played high school football with uh, was a long snapper at Alabama. He's an NFL long snapper. That's when I really realized, oh, it's different when you have a guy who's like, he, I think he was like number one in the country actually in high school. Like he, unbelievable. I never saw him have a bad snap ever, ever. And he was a sophomore when I played with him. I just want to say long snappers matter. Like that's a position that doesn't get valued very much. But when you don't have a long snapper, you notice. And you lose a game by five points with eight points given up through safeties because your long snapper can't get the ball to the punter. It matters. And hey, if you're a kid out there who's not the biggest, not the best athlete, or maybe just doesn't want to get hit a lot, dude, Just get really good at long snapping. You'll have a role in football because it's clear, like, you want a free scholarship? You want to to do something? Like, dude, get really good at long snapping. If you're like, hey, I want to play football. I'm not sure what I do. I want to be included. I want to maybe get free college. Maybe I want to make a lot of money in the NFL. Like, dude, if you're like 6'2", you don't have to be massive. And you can sustain any any kind of hit and you like working out. Learn how to long snap because that'll extend your career. Maybe you're an offensive lineman. And you're like, I don't know if I'm big enough to play lineman in college, but I want to play. You might play. You might be a D1 long snapper. If you can snap, there's there's a place for you in football. And I, I want to encourage guys. That's an undervalued position. If you're like a, a smart guy that wants to play D1 football and you're not sure you're big enough, learn how to long snap. Get really good at it. Practice a ton. And you, you probably have a place on the field, actually, because it's just a, it's a position that is valuable, that, you don't even notice you need until you don't have one. Back to the NFL. Last weekend, Carolina beat Tampa 21-3. Or let's say it again, Tampa lost to Carolina 21-3. It was a low point for the Buccaneers. Um, it was surprising. They're 3-4. and four. Tampa just lost to Carolina, who has no coach. Uh, they started a third-string quarterback, P.J. Walker, in this game. If you're a a Tampa fan, I I got no problem with you panicking and freaking out because things are bad. They play again tonight on Thursday Night Football. We'll see what happens. But this game on Sunday was like the lowest point of the year so far for Tampa. It's pretty wild. The Panthers' offense actually looked pretty good in this game. Uh, They put P.J. Walker at quarterback. They traded away Christian McCaffrey. Who would have thought your third-string quarterback, no Christian McCaffrey, and the offense got better. But I I love seeing P.J. Walker do well. He was the former XFL MVP he had two touchdown passes, zero turnovers. And I, I remember this 
you know, during the preseason, Carolina had four quarterbacks on their roster. They had Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield. They added a rookie, Matt Corral. Baker and Matt Corral weren't going anywhere because they're the two new guys. Like, they're going to make the roster for sure. Sam Darnold's getting paid. He's going to make the roster. And I was worried that maybe Carolina wasn't going to keep P.J. Walker on the field because he's the odd man out. And then Matt Corral got hurt and made that decision easy, so they ended up keeping P.J. Walker on the roster. P.J. Walker, at, at, at minimum, at least, is a really good backup. I think he's kind of right on the cusp of, like, he's Taylor Henneke level, where he's like, he can play, he can win a little bit. He's not amazing. He's probably not your franchise quarterback, but, dude, he's like a perfect backup. He, he can definitely play and play well. And I'm just, I'm glad to see the guy doing well. Now, at three and four, Tampa somehow still leads their division, the NFC South, because the whole division is struggling. But Tampa, they're in a bad spot. And, you know, this is going to come out on Thursday. Tonight is Thursday night football. The Ravens play at Tampa. The Ravens are four and three. They're first in the AFC North. Tampa's three and four. Tampa's got to play well, man. They, they Really, they need to win here because three and five would be a really ugly start for them. Um, I mean, Sunday against Carolina was ugly too, but um, it's feeling like time to get desperate if you're a, a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan because you got Tom Brady, you got a lot of talent. You, you lost Bruce Arians. People are pressing. There's all this news about Tom Brady and, and his divorce in the media. Like, it's... I just, I want to say, like, one more time. If you're a Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, you got your Super Bowl. So, like, congrats. You're better than most NFL fans. Like, Lions fans were petulantly sad. But if you're a Buccaneer fan and you're you're panicking and you're not feeling good, I don't blame you at all. I, I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm worried and concerned, too. It's kind of the Packers and the Buccaneers are in the same position right now. The risk of going 3-5 and five to start the year. They're playing some pretty good teams this weekend. And... I will report back tomorrow. I, I hope that what I have to say tomorrow about Tampa is good. Even if they don't win, if they play good, that'd be at least I could say like, well, they lost a tough game, but they played well. At least they have to play well, please. Um, so we'll see what happens. Now, here is some of the, I don't know, it's the most crazy stuff, but it's one of the most, um, to me, most interesting things that happened in the last week in the NFL. Last weekend, the Colts lost to the Tennessee Titans 19-10. to uh, Tennessee's now swept Indy for the second year in a row. The Colts are now 3-3-1 three, three, and one on the year. Matt Ryan had two interceptions. Uh, they happened on back-to-back drives. One of them was a pick six. On the year, Matt Ryan has nine touchdown passes and nine interceptions. And apparently, um, Matt Ryan has been benched. He is a little bit banged up. He's questionable whether he'll be available to play on Sunday anyway. Like, will he suit up? We don't really know. Probably not. He's listed as third string right now uh, on the Colts' website. Um, But Matt Ryan, and it's been announced, this is a permanent decision. Not like for one game. No, no. Like, for the rest of the year, Matt Ryan's out, and Sam Ellinger is the starting quarterback for the rest of the year, which is very bizarre because they're not going to their second string quarterback, Nick Foles. No, no, no. They are going all the way back to their third-string quarterback, Sam Ellinger, which is just bizarre. Like, you don't normally skip your starting quarterback, your second-string quarterback, all the way to the third-string quarterback. So what's happening here? Because Indy head coach Frank Reich had a hard time explaining that to the media. When they asked him, like, what are you guys doing? 
didn't really have a good answer. He got kind of mad and wasn't happy about it. I can explain it. Uh, Frank Reich is a head coach who's at risk of getting fired, who has to do whatever the owner wants because he he's on the chopping block. He has no really uh, leg to stand on. Is that the what's the what's the term? Got no something to stand on. I don't even know. I think it's leg, but we'll see. Someone will comment the right thing. Anyway, um, here's what happened. I believe the Colts owner, Jim Irsay, ordered that, hey, it's my team. It's my money. I'm paying for the guy. Play the quarterback I want, and I want you to play Sam Ellinger for the rest of the year, effective immediately. And basically, the Colts are tanking uh, in a very way you can... They're just going to play a bad quarterback, I think. Now, maybe the young guy is good. We'll find out if Sam Ellinger can play. He's in his second year. Um... We have some common ground. His brother died too. I, I, I really that was a sad story last year. So I, I find myself rooting for Sam Ellinger. Like, and I have an open mind. He was awesome at Texas. He's a great leader. He's a high character guy. Um, I would love to see Sam Ellinger do well and prove he's a franchise quarterback. And it does make sense to play him instead of Nick Foles because if he's good, you got an awesome young quarterback. If he's bad, um, you know you, um, you lose a lot of games and can draft a better quarterback next year. I don't know what you gain from uh, playing Nick Foles because, like, you play a mediocre quarterback who's maybe okay. It doesn't benefit you any to play Nick Foles. So I understand why Sam Ellinger was made the starting quarterback and not Nick Foles. But it is curious, and it's worth acknowledging. And it's also just another new quarterback in Indy. Like, almost every year, week one, they've had a new quarterback, and it's it's been this ongoing problem. They just can't find a sustaining guy to play quarterback for them uh, and they don't have a franchise quarterback and at this point I would argue it's it's toxic the situation with their owner Jim Irsay Jim Irsay basically ran Carson Wentz out of town they're like I don't want this guy get him out of here I don't know that I would want to be the head coach in Indy right now given all that's going on um, and I, I just it's a very curious very bizarre situation in Indy Getting a lot of looks. This guy, I think, is like. I don't really care. Who who knows? It's you know what that guy is. Does anyone remember the one time where I was recording the podcast at night? I was actually down there. And by the way, it's probably my last time ever recording in this spot because I'm I'm moving out of the house I live in and I'm I'm gonna go far away. Actually, I'll probably record here tomorrow. I'm, I'm lying. I'll probably or tonight. I'll record here again tonight when I record the Friday episode. So one more episode in the spot. But there was a a night where I was recording here. And there was a guy in the bushes behind me, like, sleeping, and I, I felt bad because he was, like, he, he probably thought I was a weird guy. He's like, why is this guy recording a podcast at 3 a.m. in his pickup truck? That's the guy! I'm, like, 95% sure. He just disappeared into the bushes! <laughs> That's the dude for sure! It looked like him, too. He had the same orange sweatshirt. Like, dude, the Northwest is crazy. Like, <laughs> this this place, man. Like, I... Portland is a is a hilariously weird and wild town with aggressive homeless people, and um, it's sketchy sometimes. Like I'll be driving for DoorDash, and I'm like, I don't feel safe actually here. It's very interesting. Um, all right, let's we got to talk about Oregon actually. Let's go back to what mattered last weekend in college football. It was College Football Week Eight, and during College Football Week Eight, two unbeaten teams fell. And, uh, you know, Oregon beat UCLA 45-30. to 30. UCLA and Oregon are both now 6-1. and one. So UCLA, 
undefeated team, no longer undefeated. Uh, Oregon dominated by even more than I think the score 45 to 30 would even show. Um, and the story here was Oregon quarterback Bo Nix just had a crazy good game. He was 22 for 28 passing, 283 yards, five touchdown passes. He had this beautiful throw down the middle of the field on a post, but just like rainbow ball. Oh my gosh, just beautiful. I was like, whoa, 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 relax. That's just a great throw. I don't need to get too excited. If you get it, you get it. Um, the, the bottom of the table, anyone? Uh, it, it was beautiful, man. And UCLA had to settle for field goals multiple times when Oregon got touchdowns. UCLA just couldn't keep up with Oregon's offense. And um, it was just an all-around party for Oregon. Oregon, man, their only loss of the year is to Georgia. How good was that Dan Lanning hire, man? He, You know? I was like, who is this guy? Mario Cristobal left. Uh, Dan Lanning looks like the right hire to me, and uh, he's killing it right now for Oregon. Now, uh, Ole Miss also lost. They're now 7-1. and one. They were undefeated. Now they are not. LSU beat Ole Miss 45-20. to 20. Ole Miss actually led this game 20-17 to 17 at halftime, but LSU didn't stop. They just kept scoring and scoring. They had four long touchdown drives in the second half. Um, it would have been cool to me if Ole Miss had stayed undefeated uh, for their game against Alabama. I would have liked that. LSU, um, you know, is, is playing well. But Ole Miss, like, I, I, I wanted undefeated Ole Miss uh, against a one-loss Alabama team that would have been more interesting than one-loss both teams. It'll still be a good game, but a little, little less meaningful now. I thought for LSU, it's a great win for their head coach, Brian Kelly. I think very validating of him to knock off Lane Kiffin and the undefeated Rebels. Um Brian Kelly got a lot of hate when they lost to Florida State week one. And then since that loss to Florida State, the only other loss LSU has was, you know, it's to number three Tennessee, who is one of the best teams in college football right now. I can forgive that week one loss because you got a new head coach uh, in his first game with a new team against a pretty solid opponent. LSU, they're six and two. They got two losses that I'm not too worried about. Like, I, I think they're justifiable and okay. Jaden Daniels, our quarterback, is playing awesome at LSU. He's putting really good stuff on tape, man. He's the leading rusher for LSU. He's throwing. He's running. Um, Jaden Daniels is so much better off at LSU than he was when he was at Arizona State, man. Like, he's just really put himself in a position to— I don't know if he's a first-round quarterback or not, but he's definitely going to go to the NFL at a, with a higher draft pick now than if he'd stayed at Arizona State uh, with Herm Edwards and that— mess and disaster and I mean he's gone now but you know what I mean like it just would it wouldn't have worked out well for him and he's much better off at LSU Clemson beat Syracuse 27 to 21 uh they were both undefeated going in Clemson remains undefeated at 8-0 uh but Clemson barely survived man DJ Uyungle had a bad game DJ the quarterback for Clemson had two interceptions Syracuse actually led 21 to 10 at halftime. Uh, DJ had three turnovers in total. He had a fumble on first and goal that Syracuse picked up and ran for like a 90-something yard touchdown. Um, you know, when Clemson was down 21 to 10 in the third quarter, they ended up putting in their true freshman quarterback, Cade Klubnick, and benching DJ. And Cade Klubnick saved them. He brought them back and, and led them to a comeback win. Clemson doesn't play this weekend. They've got a bye week. Um so I, I don't really know what's going to happen with their quarterback situation. I, I would imagine DJ's done. Like I, which is so surprising because he had this, what I thought was like a breakout moment with five touchdowns against Wake Forest earlier this year. 
He's the reason why they won that game. But DJ Uyungle just cannot consistently play well. And, you know, they they got away with one, I thought, against Clemson or against Syracuse, where Clemson probably should have lost to Syracuse. Cade Klubnik saved the day, and Will Shipley was awesome. And, you know, I, I don't know. It's very curious. They play again November 5th. Who is going to play quarterback for Clemson? I don't know. It's going to be probably a two-week quarterback battle. But, I mean, it's very telling when you bench DJ and Cade Klubnik comes in and wins you the game. Like, that feels like it matters. And we'll see what happens in the future for Clemson. Also last weekend, a couple more games. Uh, as expected, coming off of a ugly loss, Alabama dominated. Uh, they beat Mississippi State 30-6. to Remember, they lost a previous week. Uh, on a last-second field goal to Tennessee with, like, 17 penalties. So they clean stuff up, and, and they dominate. They're up 30 to nothing in this game. TCU stayed undefeated. Uh, they beat K-State 38-28. to Ultimately, though, uh, the K-State quarterback, Adrian Martinez, got hurt early in the game. He only threw two passes in this football game. So, like, uh, I still feel like TCU didn't really get tested by K-State. I was kind of disappointed, actually. I wanted to watch Adrian Martinez. Instead, I had to watch... K-State's backup. Then he got hurt. I had to watch the backup backup for a while. So, ah, disappointing there. Uh, I wanted a, a better game with Adrian Martinez playing. And then Oklahoma State beat Texas uh, 41-34. to Texas fell apart in the second half of this football game. 14 total penalties. Undisciplined play. And Texas quarterback Quinn Ewers. I've said a lot of glowing stuff about this guy. I've been very positive about Quinn Ewers. He had an awful game against Oklahoma State. There's no way to sugarcoat it. Like, I'll call it like it is. I love Quinn Ewers, but he was 19 for 49 passing for 319 yards, which, by the way, that's kind of crazy, actually, to have 19 completed passes but still throw for 319 yards. That's like... I think it's almost 17 yards per completion. I think something like that. Let's... 319 divided by 19... 16.78, 16.78, bro. I'm not even good at math. How did I, I don't even know how I, how did I do it? That's kind of a guess. <laughs> well, yeah, pretty much accurate, actually. Anyway, um, Quinn Ewers threw for two touchdowns, but three interceptions. It was really ugly. And uh, Quinn Ewers, man, I don't know, just not a, not a good performance at all. And I hope he bounces back. And I'll still watch him. He's fun to watch. But you got, you got to call it like you see it. And last week, Texas against um, Oklahoma State. That was really, really bad and really, really ugly. Um, The rankings today in college football. Number seven. Whoa, number seven. <laughs> seven and oh, Georgia is the number one team in the country. The number two team in the country is seven and oh, Ohio State. Number three is Tennessee, who is 3-0. I can't even talk. They're not 3-0. Tennessee's 7-0. They're the number three team in the country. Get it, Reichsack. Get it together. So Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee. Number four is Michigan. They're also undefeated at 7-0. Number five in the nation is Clemson. They're 8-0. Number six in the nation is Alabama. They're a one-loss team, 7-1. They lost to Tennessee. Uh, The number seven team in the country is TCU. They're undefeated at 7-0. Um, the number eight team in the country is Oregon. They're six and one. Number nine is Oklahoma state. They are six and one. And number 10 is six and one USC. So the, the only undefeated teams left in college football, TCU, Clemson, Michigan, Tennessee, Ohio state, and Georgia. 
two of those are going to be solved at some point because Michigan plays Ohio State uh, on the road at Ohio State on November 26th, and Tennessee plays at Georgia on November 5th and two weeks from now. So they're not all going to be undefeated. In fact, at some point soon, we're going to have probably four undefeated teams, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, and, and TCU, if they can stay undefeated. So that could be your college football playoff. I don't know who gets in, a one-loss SEC team or TCU. Right. The The voters do not appear to really respect TCU's undefeated record so far. So keep your eye on that one. But um, we might have figured out our four college football playoff teams. We'll see, though. Michigan might beat Ohio State. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Tennessee I, could beat Georgia. I, I, that's that's that. I, I feel like Tennessee's got a better chance of beating Georgia than Michigan has a chance of beating Ohio State, to be totally honest. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, the year is coming to an interesting end in college football. I stopped recording, and then I realized, oh, I forgot to do an important segment, which is to check the news and be like, hey, have any trades happened in the NFL world? Uh, so far, uh, we know about the Robert Quinn trade. Uh, there are new renderings of the Bills Stadium, which are, I don't really care that much, but uh, it's out there, I guess. Uh, but the big one is that the Kansas City Chiefs have traded a conditional third-round pick and a sixth-round pick for Giants wide receiver Kadarius Toney, uh, which is interesting. It hasn't worked with Kadarius Toney. Uh, he's been, like, interesting and fine in New York, but I would imagine Kansas City is going to get a lot out of Kadarius Toney. He's a former first-round pick. He's an, he's an exciting player, a lot of talent. And uh, I am very, very interested to see what happened. Um, I think he might might work out quite well. Uh, he's just, I don't know, I think the rich got richer here with this move, and I'm very, very interested. I don't really know why the Giants got rid of him and didn't try to make it work a little more. Like, he's a former first-round pick, and the Giants just didn't seem to want to fit him into their offense. I, I don't quite understand why there wasn't more of an approach to make it work with him. At least it, it appeared from the outside looking in like they weren't desperately trying to build around this guy, which is, is fine. They got an offensive system, but I would imagine Kansas City um, is going to find a lot of creative, interesting ways to use him. He's a former first-round pick. He's really talented. He's had some trouble with drops here and there, but to give up a third-round pick and a sixth-round pick for Kadarius Toney, the potential is, is really high, and um, I just think that he's a, a player with a lot of potential going to a place, Kansas City, that gets a lot out of their players. Like, they maximize their potential. Um and I think Patrick Mahomes playing with, you know, Kadarius Tony playing with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid designing stuff for him. It's a dangerous, scary thought. And I think Kadarius Tony might have kind of a breakout um, little little run here in Kansas City with uh, the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. I think that's all the news, guys. I, I looked at what I could. I, that, that's really it. Nothing else is broken today. Uh, I mean, I'm recording again tonight, so we'll, we'll be fine. I guess, you know, Andy Dalton is starting for against the Raiders for the Saints, which is just a weird, tiring thing. Like, I, Jameis Winston, I gave up on the guy a while ago. There's a reason for that. There's not much else NFL news going on right now yet. Uh, we're getting close to the trade deadline. We'll see if any really happened. I remember last year was kind of deflating and nothing that exciting happened. So we'll see. Uh, but those are all of the headlines uh, by the end of the time recording here. And if there's any more news, I'll cover it on the next episode. I want to briefly end the show with Formula One. It wasn't a very exciting race. We're also very late. It's Thursday. Race happened on Sunday. Uh, but the U.S. Grand Prix 
in Austin, Texas, it was fine. Like not a bad race, not a great one. I, I granted, I had a lot going on in my life. I thought we got really lucky actually in this race because Max Verstappen had a really slow pit stop. So Max didn't win easily. He had a huge lead, uh, but then was stationary in the pit lane for over 11 seconds on a pit stop. So there was drama because it meant he had to, uh, he fell way back in the pack and had to pass people and he didn't pass Lewis for first until there was a couple laps to go. So that was some fun drama. Um, my dream that will never happen, like, but if I had, if I'd like a genie, one of my wishes would, if I'd like a sports genie, it would grant me three wishes. One of them would be to see Max Verstappen race Lewis Hamilton, uh, probably multiple times with the same car. Like what would happen? They just, it was purely about their ability and not about the car. Cause Max passed Lewis so easily had better tires, a faster car. It wasn't really a competition there. Um, on lap one, really turn one, George Russell collided with Carlos Sainz. Uh, Carlos Sainz had to retire. George Russell got a five second time penalty. So Carlos Sainz didn't finish the race. The top 10 finishes in this race are number one, Max Verstappen, number two, Lewis Hamilton. Uh, the rounding out the podium was number three, Charles Leclerc. In fourth was Sergio Perez. In fifth was George Russell with that five second time penalty. He had to serve during the race in pit lane. Um, Lando Norris got sixth for McLaren. Number seven was Sebastian Vettel. He reached, by the way, 3,500 laps total leading career-wise in Formula One. In eighth, you had Kevin Magnussen for Haas. Uh, ninth was Yuki Sonoda for Alpha Tauri. And number 10 was Esteban Ocon, or 10th was Esteban Ocon for Alpine. Um, Red Bull secured the Constructors' World title in this race, the U.S. Grand Prix. So they've got a double world title for Red Bull. Max won the driver's title. Uh, the team won the Constructors' Championship. There are three races left, Mexico City, Brazil, and Abu Dhabi. Um, right now, Ferrari's in second in Formula 1 with 469 points. Mercedes is in third with 416 points. That's a 53-point gap. So if Red Bull, sorry, if Ferrari has problems in a couple DNFs, Mercedes could actually get back in this race and compete with Ferrari, but it's not that close. The battle for fourth is really interesting in Formula 1. Alpine's in fourth with 144 points. Six points behind them with a really small gap uh, is McLaren with 138 points. They're hanging around. They're very close. And then in the driver's battle, the battle for second is really, really close and really, really interesting. Uh, Charles Leclerc has uh, 267 points. Sergio Perez is in third with 265 points. That's a two-point difference, three races to go. Who's going to get second in form of the one? It's very interesting. It's actually very exciting to me. I'm like, I, I got something to watch for, which I love. Um and the battle for fourth is somewhat in the mix. George Russell has 218 points. Uh, Carlos Sainz has 202 points now after retiring early and not finishing. And uh, in sixth place is Lewis Hamilton with 198 points. So say what you want about, I don't think it was intentional, but uh, George Russell, that time penalty was worth it because you got, you gained a lot of ground and actually passed, uh, I don't know, did he pass Carlos Sainz here? I don't, I don't actually know, but you, you know, the gap now is is widened between uh, George Russell and Carlos Sainz. I don't know what they were before the race, but I know now uh, George has a 16-point um, lead over Carlos Sainz for fourth in uh, the Formula One world title race right now, and it was helped by the fact that Carlos didn't get any points uh, in Austin, Texas. The driver's battle right now, I think, is the most interesting thing in Formula One. Uh, Perez versus Leclerc, they're two points apart, but also that team battle. Alpine against McLaren, six points uh, differentiate them. I think there's still reasons to watch the last three races in Formula One, and I those are them right there. The battle for fourth and the constructors, the battle for second and the drivers, like that's some interesting fun drama that I'm excited to watch play out. And um, 
you got I am always looking for reasons to care, and those are reasons I'm excited to watch the rest of the year in Formula One. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so very much for tuning in. I hope that my my diatribe at the beginning wasn't too um, discouraging or emotionally draining or something people don't want to listen to. I love you, man. I really appreciate you. I'll, I'll see you. Man, I'm, I'm awake. Going to upload this. Going to upload uh, the next episode of Zach Schaumler Talking is recorded and ready to go. So, um... Going to upload stuff today. Going to write about sports. Going to watch Thursday Night Football. Record again. Going to be a fun day. Uh, I love you so much. I appreciate you. I hope you have a great day. And uh, but um bum bam. I gotta do this again. But um bum bam. We are done. I screwed it up. I I, I didn't. I the second hit. But dum bum. I went but dun dun. I gotta hit the but dum bum. I gotta hit the second hit. So I'm crazy. Look at me just going on. I love you. Have a great day.